You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Make me a pub from the eye of your mind. Forge me a pub from brass and from oak. Mould me a pub from your deepest desire. And call it the Moon Underwater. everyone welcome to i have to say a sun-drenched moon underwater with light blasting through the windows and we've got a number of different stained glass arrangements in uh, most of the windows so really this this light is is throwing so many different colors across the bar there's greens blues reds you know them it's the spectrum. And I don't know if you've noticed this, Robin, the lovely Robin joining me here as usual. Yeah, go on. But you know heat haze on a road? Oh, yes, like a mirage. Like a mirage. Have you noticed that there's just a heat haze on absolutely everything inside the moon underwater, but there's no heat? Uh, That's interesting, yes. And also you only see heat haze from a distance, Mm. but we're seeing it much closer. Because the moon underwater brings distance closer. Yeah, and if you hold your hand out, it sort of becomes a part of the heat haze and just begins to shimmer, shimmer. Yeah, shimmer, shimmer. Yeah, shimmer, shimmer. Shimmer, shimmer. A bit like that film uh, Annihilation, you know. Have you seen that? I haven't, but I'm sure it's exactly like it. It is, yeah. They kind of go to this mysterious zone where kind of all beings and nature stuff moulds into one kind of entity. And, you know, that's a bit like what's happening here. Yeah, I tell you what, it feels a bit like we're in a kaleidoscope. A kaleidoscope of feelings. Yeah, a kaleidoscope of feelings and pints and drinks and glasses and chairs. <laughs> yeah. And the brasses that we've discussed in the past. Glasses and brasses, yeah. How are you finding... Because obviously outside the moon underwater we have no control of of the realm we're in. But how are you dealing with the heat? Um. Well, pretty well... So far, uh, I was on an air-conditioned bus today. Oh, lovely. 
And that was just brilliant. I just shut my eyes and let the cool air wash over me. Was that just all day sat on the bus? No, no, no. That was just one journey. I've never, I don't think I've ever been on an air-conditioned bus, actually. No, it was a real thrill. Um, But how are you coping with the heat, John? Infamously, not your ideal atmosphere. Now, I hate the heat. And I think what's frustrating for listeners in England, or at least the UK, is that I've been moaning about the weather an awful lot especially its impact on my golf career. But you can't really complain when suddenly it becomes perfect overnight. However, I would have liked a bit of a transition phase. Yes. Do you ever kind of, to cope with the heat, do you ever get, just get bepanted indoors? I don't get bepanted indoors. I'm very lucky in that my house has got very thick walls and is not in the direct sunlight. So it's it's known for being very cool on even the hottest summer days. I've also got an air conditioning unit for upstairs. Yes, yeah. I was watching the Gods of Snooker series on iPlay, which is very good fun. And Jimmy White was talking about the difference between him and Alex Higgins, how Alex Higgins was always drunk, whereas Jimmy White would only ever really drink when he was out for four hours. So I, when I play golf, most of the people afterwards will have a sort of a pint after the round at sort of one o'clock or midday or whatever. But I never, ever do, because that would absolutely zonk me out for the rest of the day. I'm just quite sort of envious of those people who can just sort of, you know, have a beer, maybe then four hours later have a glass of wine with dinner. I would be asleep. Yeah, drinking in the day. If I weren't sort of sticking to my usual... I'm very much a pub pub opening hours drinker. Yeah, yeah. Me too. It's also quite strange to imagine the Alex Higgins of golf were he to exist... Because the be- big benefit of snooker is you have a chair and a table. You can really do it on golf. Imagine Alex Higgins playing golf and just having a pint after he's <laughs> teed off. I, yeah, it would it would be tricky. There are there are perhaps I think it was too competitive now. There are probably a few in the eighties and nineties. But I guess drinking is quite a big part of golf culture. But speaking of drinking, Robin, um, we're not going to go into too much detail now because. We're going to focus the full inside story on the bonus podcast Behind the Cellar Door, which is available to patrons of the uh, top two tiers. But we went on a pub crawl this week, didn't we? Mm, Yes, it was splendid. It was certainly splendid. I mean, spoiler alert, we, we will be featuring live audio from the pub crawl on the bonus podcast, but... It was only three pubs, and there was a little bit of discussion on social media as to whether three pubs counts as a crawl. Thoughts? That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, you're very much... I'll tell you what makes it a crawl, is your complete refusal to have more than one drink in a pub. Yeah, it's no good. I think the fact that you insist... And it's not that I didn't want to. No, no. The fact that you insist upon that momentum makes it a crawl. But then I'd say three is the absolute minimum. If it was two. Yeah, two's not a crawl. Maybe three is like a, a toddle. Like you crawl and then you're a toddler. There should be a, war, a, a, a word for three pubs. But it was meant to be four, but one of them we needed to book, which we hadn't done. So I think four is definitely a crawl. Yeah. But I think you've just got to separate out the vibe of the affair from just going to a pub for two hours. Yeah, and ending with a curry. The first time I've been in a in an Indian restaurant for, you know, several months. And just the thrill of the poppadom. The thrill of the poppadom. I had a poppadom. I don't usually have one. I enjoyed it. I thought I'd treat myself. But it was that sweet three-pint sort of... It's not drunk three pints, but it's 
just a three-point soiree, shall we say. A three-point swing, yeah. A three-point swing before having a naga. A naga, yeah. But for me, the poppadom, I get goosebumps when I think of a poppadom. <laughs> that is just the absolute highlight of the evening. And it's always a bit of a shame because the food should be the highlight. But just that moment when you're cracking a poppadom with a cold beer. Well, I know I'd tell you why you like the poppadom is because you, you have your big bottle of Kingfisher with it or Cobra. Mm, yes, I do. And I think that's yeah. that's it's like frying the onions for dinner. That's the best bit. Oh, man, I've been watching Rick Stein's long weekends on iPlayer. I could watch that man talk about <laughs> onions frying for a billion years. Yeah, he's great. My favourite Rick Stein moment is um, he's in uh, Italy. I can't remember where exactly. And he's talking to a chef who's very, very uh, gesticulating a lot with his hands. And he keeps doing this and pointing, you know, saying there were waiters coming in here. And people, and like, and he does it so many times, Rick Stein keeps kind of looking behind him to check there's no one there. <laughs> it's such a great moment. Oh, good old stick, Ryan. I nearly sent you a clip of it because there's a bit where he's in Bologna. And he goes to a market and points out the local onions and he says, look at those onions. These are the local onions and they'll they'll just sweat them down for an hour. And I thought of us and our, our first cans over frying onions. Oh, God. I could, I mean, I think I've said it before, but I could fry a batch of onions with a cold beer and chuck them in the bin. Because <laughs> it's just all about that first moment. That's the thing as well. You know, I could just go for a plate of poppadoms. Pay the bill and happily leave, I think. Well, yeah, it won't go for like 20 poppadoms and three cobras. Yeah, that's what they do in the film Bad News with Rick Mail. You know, the, the rock band they were in, they go for, I think they ordered like 90 pints and a plate of poppadoms or something like that. Well, folks, for more information about our three pub pub crawl featuring pub audio, you can sign up at patreon.com forward slash moonunderpod and also if you have overindulged this bank holiday weekend you can get a few uh, well as many as you like non-alcoholic beers from drydrinker.com and you get 20% off using the code moonunderpod which we're very excited about but it's time now as this kaleidoscope pub is changing once again and the blues and greens and reds begin to shift around that we must actually stop that happening and, and, <laughs> and persuade the colours to fix, to make up their blimmin' minds, uh, settle down as we're about to welcome in this week's guest. Ding! Ah, oh, Robin. Robin, Robin, Robin. How is the weight of pub desire? Can you feel it in the atmosphere? Can you feel it in the silence, even? Yeah, it's weighing down heavily on this, on my, on my knees and shins. <laughs> and there's a certain something in the moon underwater tonight. I can't quite put my finger on it. There's a certain shine on the bar. Have you noticed the shine on the bar? The atoms of the pubiverse are vibrating with erotic energy. Yeah, and it's almost like the, the sort of atoms of our deepest fantasies are just sort of bouncing around in between bar, cut glass, whiskey bottle, back to bar, then to brass, then to mirror, and sort of bouncing around in between them, creating a kind of shimmery glow. 
Yeah, there's a vortex, a, a, a clear vortex happening betwixt memory and beer. <laughs> and who inhabits that hinterland between memory and beer? Because I can feel, I think, a disturbance of the realm. I can f- hear footsteps. I can feel the swoosh of a cloak as it walks through the lonely night to seek solace in the shimmering light of pub. And I think the person that inhabits that vortex between memory and beer is approaching the door now. Let me in! It's Alistair Green. Come in, Alistair. Oh, thank you. It's very curious entry policy. Welcome. I'm in. Welcome. You're in. You're in, mate. It's like one in, one out at clops, isn't it, when you're a kid? The moon underwater is sort of more like all in, all out. It's both full of everyone's imagination, but it's also completely empty of humankind. It's lovely, yeah. I mean, I didn't really know what you were talking about then, but I love it. I mean, I'm really happy in here. I was outside. I wasn't very happy there. No. But um, I'm in now. That's good. Are you missing pubs, Alistair? Tonight I am. Yeah. Tonight there was, it it was a really nice, um, really nice light this evening and it was perfect. I was just thinking actually before I did this, it was the perfect five o'clock time. It was five o'clock pint time. The sun was setting. And then I sort of, you know, when you just, your mind wanders and I was thinking, imagine having a pint now and going for a curry. It suddenly got in my head. You ever, you ever had a curry on a hot summer's evening? Yeah. When just in your shorts, you've had a few pints, the sunset. Sweating. Yeah, you're sweating and you go for a curry. <laughs> and then obviously you've got to have a drink afterwards as well. Just one to finish it off. Just the one, one or two afterwards. So you are, in my mind at least, uh, and I'm sure with a lot of the listeners, synonymous with the South London pub. So you're a lot of your online, for people who don't know you, you are a comedian, you are an online video sensation. Your takes on the everyday are quite extraordinary. And I got to, was lucky enough to see your screening at the Prince Charles Cinema of all of your videos. It was Alistair Green, volume one. It was absolutely superb. And it felt like the very definition of what a cult comedian should be because everyone who met there was so excited it was the most excited they had been all year <laughs> and you could have told them chris rock you, if you'd said to them oh Al, alistair green's video is cancelled but chris rock is standing in with ricky gervais they would have been gutted <laughs> but a lot of what you do is sort of during lockdown was is just sort of walking through empty london and little snatches and glimmers of pints so I, I wonder if you could talk to us about the South London landscape and perhaps take us on a little example of an Alistair Green South London pub crawl. I've certainly done... I used to have this thing that I do on New Year's Eve where, and I really miss it, I made a point of going out on my own. Um, so I'd start, start locally at somewhere and try and find the worst pubs I could find. The ones that no one else wants to go to. I, I started out, and I, 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 one year, I think, well, obviously not the one just gone, but perhaps the one before that, I started off on the Isle of Dogs, um, a pub called the Ferry Inn, which I really like. A very sparse pub, not much in it. Um, but one of those pubs that's been there for 200 years or whatever, and for what, if, whatever reason, it's not, it's not become one of the sort of popular ones or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it's not become a destination pub. It's, it's some of those pubs are always 
their local pubs. It might have been there 300 years, but it, for whatever reason, it's not. no one's there going, wow, this is a 300-year-old pub. Everyone's like, give me a Carlin, mate, you know, or, or whatever. Like, they don't, they don't really <laughs> care. But yeah. So, yeah, I'd, I'd go places like that. And then, I, and then I remember that year, I tried to get in this one where you ever see one of those single-story ones at the bottom of a block of flats? Yes. That were at, I, I assume, were built into the block um, wh- wh- when they were made because it's designed like that. They've like, got that sort of whatever you call that ceiling, whatever that ceiling's made out of. They look like a prefab building. And um, he wouldn't let me in. Like this guy on the door, he goes, no, nah, no, nah, we're sold out. It literally had big windows and there was three people in there playing pool. I thought, well, fuck, you know, why? Come on. But apparently it was ticket only. He goes, nah, ticket only, sold out. I went, all oh, right. Although, which was plausible. But that year I, I sort of ruined it a bit because I ended up in the grapes in Limehouse. Um, so I walked up the, you know, if, you, if you're from London, you know this area, but, but basically what happens is you walk up, follow the curve of the River Thames um, uh, up the Isle of Dogs. And then on the left, you'll find the grapes, if you've ever been in the grapes, um, in, in Limehouse, which is a very, very nice pub. It's owned by Ian McKellen, um, who, who lives next door. Is it really? Yeah. And, and I've, I was actually in there the year before on New Year's Eve with um, Diane Morgan. Like, we had, we had nothing to do. And she's like, let's go to the grapes. So we, we went to the grapes. And, and Ian McKellen was working behind the bar. No way. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Sometimes he goes in there on New Year's. He's doing all that. And he, he said, um, and the other person who was working there that night was, uh, oh, what's, his na- what's that guy's name? The actor's name? Uh, Victor Meldrew. Richard. Richard, Richard Wilson. No. Richard Wilson. Richard Harris. Yeah. You, you couldn't believe it. Richard Burton was in there. Um, yeah. <laughs> Oliver Reed. I couldn't believe it. Um, Richard Wilson. Him and Ian McKellen are really, really good friends. Right. I, I would assume so. I didn't know that until that night. But they were they were ringing the bell and tell everyone to sing along and all that. But it's it's a very, very nice pub. It's a pub that's apparently mentioned in a Dickens novel. I think Our Mutual Friend or... or yeah, I think so. But uh, it's a very, very old pub and really, really nice. And it's got... It's one of those ones on the Thames with a little back bit that juts out onto the river. Certainly a night like tonight, it's sort of perfect, yeah. So is, do you like something about those first pubs you were talking about? They're sort of a dying breed a, because people go to the, you know, the gastro pub or whatever that's been refurbed nearby. But B, because those pubs are, are so authentic to their function. They're very sort of utilitarian pubs. They are there to serve you booze. They're not there to pretend it's 1860. They're not there to like, to make you feel cool by being there. They are a space with tables and chairs and carling. And that's, that's actually quite rare. Well, they're they're kind of more for locals, aren't they? Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It is it is quite rare. It reminds me of, there's there's that one in Edinburgh that um, um again I'm forgetting who's the guy who writes the Rebus books. Uh, Ian Ian Rankin. Ian Rankin. It's the one he always talks about. That one that I went once and it's the Oxford it's, Bar. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, and it's it's sort of in the middle of nowhere, but it it's one of those pubs that's incredibly sparse. Like it's just tables and you know. But I'm I'm all for that, you know. I I really like those kind of places that are very, as you say, very utilitarian, um, to the point where if a pub like that does it up, you go, oh god, they ruined it, you know. 
You ever get that thing where they go, oh, this, they've totally ruined that pub. It's nice yeah. now. <laughs> it's not I as, know. There's, they don't, they've only started washing the toilets. They've <laughs> yeah. ruined that place. I didn't even get stabbed. Yeah. <laughs> Given what you've described, when we, when we begin, as we now will, to sort of summon the atoms of desire together to create your dream pub, what are we looking at from the outside and what are we seeing when we walk in to your fantasy pub? Is it sparse, for example? I think the most important thing is, is whether it's authentic or not. So what, what the problem is with a lot of gastropubs now, it's, it's kind of, it's, you feel like it's designed for you. There's a few nice ones like, um, you know, the Southampton Arms in Kentish Town or one of those type, those people who do it well, where it's quite sparse, but it's very nice. And they've, they're serving pork pies and pickled eggs and all that, but they're doing it with a view to, okay, I think this is how they used to do it. Do you know what I mean? There's nothing wrong with that. It's a little bit tongue in cheek. It's maybe slightly ironic, or maybe it's not, maybe it's genuine, but the, the point being, it's like, hmm, it's like, okay, we don't know how to do, be real or just, you don't need to do that. I mean, I get it. It's a nice gimmick. It's a nice pub. I've got no complaints, but the key is if you go into a pub or you're outside a pub looking at it and you go, Okay, good. They haven't bothered doing it. They haven't bothered catering to me. This is how what they they want to do. I'm a guest here, and I'm happy. To, you know, I'm happy in that role. Do you know what I mean? I don't need to be pandered to in that way. So, in your fantasy pub, the motto would be: "Not the customer is always right. The pub is always <laughs> <Yeah>. right." <laughs> yeah. We're going to start stocking the bar now. So you've got two draft choices to have have in your bar. What are they going to be? Um, Guinness and Carling. Oh, very basic. I think you've covered all bases there because it's not just for, it's not just for me. If you're going to serve two things, Guinness is very popular still. A lot of people drink Guinness, and it's and if even if they don't, it's a good introduction. If you go well, if they go, oh, I don't really like lager. Go. Have you ever had Guinness? No, I haven't. Give it a go. Have you, have you ever been to the Waverley in Edinburgh? I don't know if it's still open, actually. The Waverley is just off the Royal Mile, but very hidden away. But they only served Guinness and Tenants. Yeah. There's so many Edinburgh pubs like that, aren't they, where they just have a couple. And it's one of the few pubs it doesn't have any sort of pump clips or branding. It's just a little brass plate that says Guinness and one that says Tenants, like they've had them engraved themselves in a trophy shop. Well, I mean, Sam Smith's runs a very successful business model on having very few beers, doesn't it? Robin, thoughts on Carling? You're a resident lager expert. Well, I love a lager, but I, I, I have tried to get into Carling because, you know, you basically... I remember when I used to like tour in a band and every country you'd go to, there'd be their own national lager. So it's like, well, why don't I get into the British lager, which is Carling? But it tastes disgusting. <laughs> I, I, I don't mind it. I mean, it's the, it's for me, it's the happy medium between something. I mean, I hate Fosters. I absolutely hate it. And I don't know why. It's just like sugary and awful. And then if you don't want a, you know, a premium 5% lager, you know, especially if it's in the middle of the day, Carling to me is quite a happy medium. I went for a period when I was when I was younger. I was quite happy drinking Carling. Yeah, I might go back to it because I feel like a, I feel like it might be my. What if it's my drink and I just had a bad experience? Well, it is the most popular beer in the UK. Yeah, I've got a feeling it's more. What percentage is it? It's about three three point. I don't know. 
I'm going to guess between three and four. No, it can't be that weak. So hang on. Carling is weaker than advertised. Right. Carling advertises its lager at 4% alcohol by volume, but it's been brewed at 3.7% since 2012. <laughs> is That's insane. Oh, okay. So I need to say for... Um, wow. Just to cover my back. This is from a BBC News article, and this is a court ruling that said the alcohol content of Carling, one of the most popular lagers in the UK, is weaker than advertised. It has emerged. Interesting. I mean, that sounds um, illegal. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's why they're <laughs> in a court, I would imagine. Yeah. It's brewing it weaker, I think, to save tax because it's taxed at a different level. That is interesting. So products are allowed an ABV tolerance of 0.05% on products between 1.2 and 5.5. So if you're because obviously it's impossible to guarantee an exact ABV when you're brewing, because if a batch comes out at 5.4%, you don't have to chuck it all away. So your your 4% lager could be 4.5, could be 3.5. That's perfectly legal. Fun fact. Mm. So this is already shaping up to be a very functional pub because Guinness is very, very popular. It's probably the most popular choice on Moon Underwater. Carling, I'm pretty confident in saying that's its debut. Interesting. Alistair Green and pub, pub and Alistair Green. What were your early pub memories? Where did you grow up? Romford. Romford, and there was one pub there that me and all my mates went to called the Golden Lion. It was the only... Well, no, there was a few funny pubs like that. Really old pub, you know, with the timber beams. And in fact, the staff all wore, wore shirts and all that. And it was one of those pubs with like a crooked... You walk through one bit and smash your head on the door. It was so funny. It was the funniest time in my life, that pub. And it was... Uh, Romford's very, like... Uh, Sort of you right, mate. There's a lot of like Yates's Wine Lodge and bars and all that stuff, and one end of town, and then the other end of town was just this pub with everyone who didn't really fit in in those places. But it was sort of the first pub I started going to, and it was like everyone went there. Well, mates did, but and it was also like a real mix of different people. It was next to the market, so you had market traders in there. I mean, it was it was a real, really, really, really funny place. <laughs> yeah is it still there it's still there yeah it's still there yeah it's the, it was the best and still the same sort of vibe I, I think so I mean I'm not, I'm not been back for a long time but um I think it's the same sort of vibe I mean yeah it was funny I mean you know I can remember going in the Saturday afternoons and getting a um who do you know they have like catering companies not catering companies but T&J Bernard Pies yeah, yeah, those yeah. things. Like you get a little <laughs> menu and there's there's only three it's like steak and ale um Something else, chicken and mushroom, uh, chicken and mushroom, or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then there's one other one that I forgot. Love it, lamb and rosemary. Mm, lamb and rosemary. And there was an, obviously never get a vegetarian one. You'd forget it, like anything like that. But I mean, this probably is now. But um, it was a great layout. Like you go in wooden floors that are all turned to shit. Like a bar on your left hand side, and then out the back a wider space where you could sort of hide. You know, in a car park where everyone's, everyone's smoking weed on the picnic tables out the back. And the landlady was a proper old landlady coming out of a fag in her mouth, like big blonde hair, like 60 years old. Like, All right, you boys, I won't say a word, don't you worry. <laughs> like coming inside, like, I mean, we've spent so long, so many hours in there, dread to think, yeah, most of my sort of youth was in, in that part, yeah. <laughs> great, great place, yeah. 
So in your dream pub, are you the landlord or have you got a specific landlord or landlady in mind? I mean, uh, probably they, they, uh, I say they because it was Sue and Dave. Sue was like, they were a couple who ran the pub. Dave was like this, uh, I mean, Sue wore the trousers. Sue was like walking around with a fag in her mouth. You are boys, you're looking nice. And Dave was like, you are boys. <laughs> you're, oh yeah, sorry, Sue. Yeah, I'll change the barrel. Like it was like that. And they, <laughs> they lived upstairs. At one point, one of my mates moved into their spare room. He spent so long in the pub that he thought, oh, I just might as well move in. They've got a spare room. So it was so <laughs> funny. So we used to go down Friday night and he'd be standing at the fruit machine in his slippers. It was so funny. <laughs> he spent so long there that he thought, oh, I might as well rent a room off them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Would you like to live above a pub? It's a sort of fantasy some people have. It, it, yeah, I, I, no, I don't think so. I think I'd, I think the noise would annoy me. I'd like, I'd like, I'd like to leave. I mean, I certainly don't want to end up like him, you know, in my slippers, <laughs> padding around at three o'clock in the afternoon on a Tuesday. <laughs> What's your favourite? Does it exist? Pour me an ale. Are pubs real? Pubs in the distance. Enshrouded in mist. Are pubs real? Your next choice, Alistair, is two bottled items. Uh, I should point out, you could also have cans if you want, but it's uh, two uh, bottled items to supplement your very functional utilitarian draft choices. Well, I'm, I'm continuing my theme, and it's as simple as a bottle of red and a bottle of white, despite um, your producer saying, You've got to be specific. The thing is with wine, though, I don't care. You know, I, I don't care. I'm happy to just say, uh, have a, 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 I will always have a house red. I'll never go beyond that. Even in French house in Soho, I'll always <laughs> just have the, the house red. I don't really have the, the, either the willpower or the time to invest in learning about wine. I sort of know if one tastes terrible, although not that much. You ever drink wine with someone else and they go, oh, God, this tastes like shit. And you think, that's fine. It's fine. (laughs) You know, it's not, unless it's gone off. I probably, I don't have a a palate for these things, really. I can, I get it. I can see it. But I think it's an investment. Well, I do think that no matter how expensive a wine is, on the second glass, it just, it just all does just taste like wine. And, and wine has also still got that connotation of denoting class or taste. Like that's that you want to know about it because you're like, oh, I've got to appear sophisticated here. Yeah? You know what I mean? There's still that idea about, oh, I know about Beaujolais or yeah. whatever. Apparently, do you, you know the, 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 that whole thing, you know, wine before beer? Beer before wine feel fine. Beer before wine feel fine. Yeah, do you know that wasn't actually ever anything to do with getting drunk? It's meant to be a comment on social status. As in, if you're a beer drinker and you kind of go up to drinking wine, then you've kind of climbed the social ladder. Really? If you're a wine drinker and you go down to drinking beer, 
for the fallen. Ah. I think I read it on the internet. You read it on the internet? <laughs> yeah, I read it on the internet, yeah. It's everything on the internet. Yeah. So I'm going to accept House Red and House White because you've given your reasoning and your reasoning is sound. Riesling. Because you've given your Riesling and your Riesling is sound. Oh, sorry, could you have rejected my suggestion? Well, I do like to impress upon people that we are going to be stocking this pub. Yeah. So you do need to be specific. So what we wouldn't accept is lager. Yeah, right. That's unacceptable. However, Nish chose the house red from Bannon's in Soho. Right. Right, specific right, memory right, attached, right, so that's okay. Right. But because your pub is functional and the, the, the pub is always right in this pub, um, I'll accept House Red and House White because it fits. It makes sense. Yeah. And also, I think people, it's a specific thing that people ask for. When you go into a pub, people don't say, can I have a lager? They go, I'll have a Foster's, I'll have a Carling. But people do say, I'll just have the house. Maybe they should do house lager. Of the house lager, please. Sometimes I think if you're going into a pub and in your mind you're going into a sort of a, a boozer and you say, can I have a glass of wine? And they suddenly give you eight different options. It sort of makes you feel like I, I'm not at a restaurant. I didn't come to feel like I was at a fancy restaurant. I came to feel like it was a pub. So you've got like eight whites and eight reds and two rosés. You, I think really... Th- three wines of each colour max in a pub. Yeah, you don't need that many, yeah. And and all yeah. price-based. Look, we've got cheap, <laughs> yeah. normal and expensive. Yeah. Well, I used to find that as a barman. I used to be very flustered when someone would ask for a dry white wine. Yeah. Which is often quite... Same, I'd be like, yeah. Oh, I don't, yeah, just... just is, is white wine okay? Yeah. <laughs> Stupid thing is, all white wine is dry, mm. right? So if you go into your local Majestic... They've got probably 500 white wines. About 10 of those will be medium or sweet. So it's sort of a, it's an odd thing to say. What they mean is, can I have a wine that isn't a Riesling, a sweet Riesling or a dessert wine? If you went into, I, I use Majestic because I like the guys there and <laughs> they know me. <laughs> but Hoping for some sponsorship. Because I'm obsessed with off dry wines. I, I don't like really dry wines. And every time I go in and they're like, oh God, here he is asking about his Riesling. No, we've still only got two Rieslings. You have them every time. <laughs> we now move away from Alastair's pub that is always right. Uh, landladied and landlorded by Sue and Dave with Guinness Carling, House Red and a House White. To have this week's pub quiz hosted by the lovely Robin Allender. Okay, everybody, pens out, eyes down, it's time for the quiz. He played for Zimbabwe, but he was born in South Africa. I know Alaska is bigger, that wasn't the question. Put your phone away. Right, Michael Jackson's Funky Monkey have been deducted five points. Welcome to this week's Moon Underwater Pub Quiz. Alistair, do you like a pub quiz? Yeah, I like a pub, I like a pub quiz. It's quite stressful, but yeah, it's got sort of... Yeah. I sort of like it. I don't like being in a pub when, a, you know, when a pub quiz happens, you know, you finally found a pub, you've been walking for ages, yeah. and all of a sudden somebody goes, question one! Oh, yeah, <laughs> that so, is the worst. And there's that, yeah. there's that moment, isn't there, where you and your mate go, should we, should we play it? We might as well put... And you, you start playing it, and it's too hard, so you just give up, and you think, oh, I've just put 
two quid in a glass for nothing. Yeah. I did that once when I was going for a drink on my own. I just played the quiz on my own. Yeah. My team name was Team Lonely. <laughs> and I realised I realized how much in a pub quiz you need people to bounce ideas off just so someone can say, oh, that's stupid. Like, there was a picture round, and it was a picture of Andy Murray, and I just put Tim Henman because I... I was I just like I just thought of the first male tennis player I could I just I, Where did you come Robin? I didn't do very well at all. I think maybe bottom th- bottom 3 I think. I'm sorry to hear that. But you know great times. Anyway, so this is the <laughs> this is the pub quiz. Play along at home. Have fun with it. Get your pens out. Um so this week's pub quiz, if music be the food of love then play on because this week's quiz is about food. Do you like food, John? Yeah, big fan of food. Big fan of food. Brilliant. Okay, so question one in the pub quiz. When was the ploughman's lunch invented? Get your brain boxes whirring. When was the ploughman's lunch invented? Now, I read about this. Alistair's gone off. He's gone. He's left. He's gone. He might have gone to get a ploughman's lunch. You just reminded me I left something in the oven. All oh, right. Was it a ploughman? Yeah. Weird, yeah. Weirdly, it was a lump of cheese, some pickle, and a bit of pork pie. <laughs> That's great. Okie dokie. Question two. Similar vibe. When was the ciabatta invented? That famous Italian bread. When was it invented? Question three. The last question. Cornish pilchards were rebranded as what? in a bid to boost sales. That's your final question of this week's pub quiz. Yeah, great questions. Very good questions. <laughs> Thank you. Well, folks, it's about time we heard from some notable establishments in the advert break. However, for those of you who subscribe via Patreon, who donate to the upkeep and uh, the barrel cleaning, the line cleansing, uh, the, uh, the the advertising that we have to do as a pub uh, through Patreon. Thank you so much. And as one of your many treats, you are able to avoid adverts and you hear just some relaxing sounds. Uh, if you would like to donate to The Moon Underwater, you can go to patreon.com forward slash moonunderpod, uh, where various treats await, uh, including, but not limited to, ad-free episodes a day early, Membership of the Moon Underwater Social Club Facebook page. Priority ticket access for live shows when uh, possible. And also the bonus podcast, Behind the Cellar Door, where Robin and I venture into the pub within the pub. What a thought. So do check that out if that's of interest. But we'll see you for the answers very shortly. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to The Moon Underwater, and you have scaled those hooks so tenter and so high, and we will release you from them now as Robin gives us the answers. Thanks, John. So, yes, this week's pub quiz was about food. Question one was, when was the ploughman's lunch invented? John and Alistair, what are your thoughts? I I haven't got the faintest idea, but I would assume it's, I mean, something to do with pre-industrialisation. I'm going to guess... 1600s? I've no idea. I think it's a lot later than you think. I think it was invented to try and sell a certain type of food. I'm going to say 1955. Wow. Wow. Okay. We've Well, okay, I'll have to give you that, John, because it is the 1950s. Great. So getting this from Wikipedia, beer, bread and cheese have been combined in the English diet since antiquity. So it is a bit of a trick question, this. But how, but and have been served together in inns for century. However, the specific term "ploughman's lunch" is believed to date from the 1950s, when the Cheese Bureau love to work for them. The Cheese Bureau, a marketing body, began promoting it in pubs as a way to increase the sales of cheese. Right, those shady folks at the Cheese Bureau, big big farmer, big Parma Parmesan. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So 1950s. Um, although obviously it had existed before, but it wasn't just wasn't called the Plowman's. Question two: When was the ciabatta invented? Similar question. Alistair, what do you think? Uh, not the faintest idea. I have no, no idea. I get. I get to say, nineteen ninety-seven. Wow, same year as OK Computer, OK Ciabatta. No, it was nineteen eighty-two. Ciabatta, literally slipper, is an Italian white bread made from wheat flour. Water, salt, yeast, and olive oil, created in 1982 by a baker in Adria, in Italy, in response to the popularity of French baguettes. <laughs> yeah. Ciabatta. Ciabatta, yeah. The slipper. Tell you one thing I hate is a pub sandwich served on ciabatta. It's too flowery. Such a nightmare. Yeah. Question three. Cornish pilchards were rebranded as what in a bid to boost sales? What what you got? What are you thinking? I think they might have just lied and called it a different fish or something before you, that was illegal. I think they called them Cornish sardines. Yes, John, that's correct. Well done. You've done very well. Done quite well today. Quite pleased with this. Cornish sardines, yeah. Nick Howell, chairman of the Cornish Sardine Management Association, <laughs> was instrumental in rebranding the pilchard as the Cornish sardine in 2005 to increase its consumer appeal. Uh, strictly speaking, pilchards are adult sardines. Didn't know that. So it's the same thing, but just call them sardines and not pilchards. And all of a sudden, you're on a beach in Portugal rather than, I don't know, where you might eat a pilchard. In the tankard in Walworth. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, very well done if you got those at home. That was the end 
of the pub quiz. Great stuff. Thanks very much, Robin. And we are going back to Alistair Green's dream pub where the pub is based around the pub and it's not based around your wants and desires. And as a result, he's got Carling on draft. <laughs> he's got Guinness, <laughs> House Red and House White. But Alistair, are you a spirits buff? Because you've got two spirit choices. No, it's the same The same principle. Whatever's on the little thing that they push up, like the milk in a cow thing that they press up to the, you know, that thing. Get the out bells or whatever that shit is. Teachers or whatever, you know, whatever the thing is out the thing is fine. Let's not pretend otherwise. I'm not one of those people, uh, I, excuse me, if you've got any, um, any Bombay Sapphire, don't pretend at that stage of the night that you're discerning gin. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, should we have you know you've you've drunk five pints uh let's let's have a short let's have a short yeah what whiskies you got mate fuck <laughs> you got you got jameson's yeah piss it doesn't matter you're not gonna know you are not gonna know the difference you've just drunk five stella you don't care don't pretend you care so i mean personally i i, I drink white spirits but again it's not something i really know the difference I mean, now with whiskey, actually, if you if you if you're in Scotland or whatever, you go to a distillery, you go, that's nice, you know. It's got a little smoky thing, it's taste to it. It's not that, you know. But to me, there's not much difference. I mean, if you're talking, if you if you put me in front of ten high quality whiskies, I, you know, it's a very subtle thing to be able to tell the difference. I can't, you know. And again, I haven't got the time to commit to learning. Um, so just give me the, you know, the end result. You you're not. You know, if you if you're drinking a lot of whiskey, you know, there's a there's a problem. You know, so you're not you're not going. Hey, I'm a whiskey connoisseur. I'm learning the difference between whiskey. You're not. You've got a drinking problem. Oh no! He's drinking spirits. Going. Yeah, I really like to know the difference between spirit. You don't. You know what I mean? It's like eighty-seven million percent. <laughs> Let's try that one, please. Please. <laughs> I used to, I used to have a line in, in stand up in a show I did years ago, which um, saying if you there's no such thing as a gin connoisseur because if you can tell the difference between different types of gin, you're not drinking it in the correct way. So that, that kind of reminds me. There was an interview with Goldie. Yeah, <laughs> interview with Goldie once, the music producer, where he said he took loads of cocaine in the '90s as an experiment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Doctor. Yeah. Okay, so. You've got to give me at least ne- what type of spirits you're having. I'd have vodka and whiskey, and here's my reason. One is white and one's um, orangey. Right. So, you know, you've got the two different things there. You've got that covered. When you're in this pub, would you ever have those drinks, or do you just like them there? I mean, what you know, would you ever have a whiskey? In- Not really in a pub. The only time I'd really drink whiskey is if I was in a sort of specialised place. I can't think of an occasion where I'd ever really drink it other than a Christmas or, you know, where that thing where people go, where, where, where your dad goes, I've got a delicious malt whiskey here. You go, oh, when was the last time you drank that? Oh, I've never drunk it in my life. You know, this thing where people go, oh, I had some malt whiskey at Christmas. <laughs> Lovely stuff. You know, no one knows. No one knows what it means, what it is. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's just a gift that you get in a cardboard tube like Pringles. You go, oh, we've got, we've got granddad some malt whiskey. And it really pleased me. Oh, my God got me this you know that then it will be jameson's or that other one glenfiddich that'll be it there'll be those two just pick the the one if you're in a, if you're in an off license 
oh, that one's in a cardboard tube. Let's get that one. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. But I think I must be getting old because I'd love Christmas. That you know, that and socks would oh, be would. absolutely brilliant yeah, for yeah. Christmas. You know, yeah. Alistair, you're quite a, you're a contradiction because alcohol does play quite a big part in your life. You enjoy pubs, you enjoy drinking, you enjoy the sort of culture of pubs. But you're not you're in no way sort of picky about brands or brews or years of wine or grapes or types of whiskey no, no certainly not no but but i i sort of do appreciate if i'm in a pub where you get this a lot now where they've got a big board up and it's one of those ones where it's not in chalk but uh what do you call that thing where it's it's sort of typer typed on the um, it's like a special pen a white felt tip pen marker yeah, yeah you know what yeah. i'm talking about it, 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 but, but it's no, but they're like actual digits that have been pressed onto this thing. Oh, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. Those about? little, the, like they used to have in sort of 70s yeah, offices. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And they've got the names of the beers to the left, and over the right hand side, they've got the percentages of one of those places that serves two thirds. You know, that thing now where you go, what is this? What is this alien measurement? Like they've gone, we've seen halves, we've seen pints, we're going two thirds. You know, it's a real, it's a rebel move. And then and then it, they'll start saying, this one's a sour. You know, this one, there's a place near me, it's actually a pizza place. It's like a hipster pizza place that does a load of different beers. And I do appreciate that when I'm there. But uh, so I will try a few of those. But, um, I, you know, I'm quite, I'm quite happy without that. Are we writing house whiskey and house vodka here? Is that what we're tumbling towards? I, I think in most pubs, what, what you'd have is a Smirnoff and a um, and uh, Bells. Always got a Bells. Let's go for Bells and Smirnoff because you've got very, this is very functional and you're covering all bases there. Mm. You know, if someone goes in there going, oh, I don't think I'll, uh, I don't think that's my favourite whiskey. You're not welcome. You know, <laughs> nice. go, go somewhere else. Yeah. You know what the you know the ethos of this pub. Like it or fuck off. <laughs> that's that's the name of it. Like it or fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what your food would be like. Are you just going to do the pies? I'm a big fan of pub food. I actually think pub food is very solid. I'm happy with the uh, frozen scampi and chips and peas and all that. I think it's. I think I think there's nothing wrong with that. So you walk into a pub, what have they got <laughs> on draft that would make you think, oh fuck this, let's try somewhere else? What's your nightmare draft? I probably haven't got one. But first of all, there's 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 not really a pub I'd walk out of. I don't think there'd be one where I go. It wouldn't be what's on the draft. It would be I'd walk in and go, ah no, this is I've misread I've misread this completely. You know, it's, it's either some loud techno music playing or it's too noisy or there's too many people eating. I don't like that, you know, or, you know what I mean? Or there will be something like that. It probably wouldn't, there probably isn't anything on draft that would make me go, right, I, I'm, I'm leaving here. I don't think. There's nothing I particularly have a particular aversion to. What if they only serve two thirds of a pint of sour beers? <laughs> Normally I have one and go, if it's the worst pub in the world and I hate it, it makes me want to die. I'll have one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll just have one. Yeah. <laughs> just test it out, because you can't... I haven't judged it properly yet. I'll just have one. Oh, that's interesting. Mm. I'm enjoying this utilitarian pub, I have to say, Alistair. It's a pub that doesn't want you to like it, 
But in the Moon Underwater, we, we have a library and we like to keep that stocked with relevant pub and uh, drink-based tomes. So I'm going to hand over to Robin to find out what's being put into the Moon Underwater pub library this week. Great. Thank you, John. Yes. So this week in the pub library at the Moon Underwater, we're talking about The Lesser Bohemians by Imir McBride. Have you read any Imir McBride? Either of you? I've got The Lesser Bohemians written on an iPhone note for some reason. I think I might have recommended it to you. It's, yeah, um, that'll be the reason. She wrote Girl is a Half-Formed Thing. That was kind of a big breakthrough, her first novel. And her last one was called Strange Hotel. She's a brilliant Irish writer. And she writes in a sort of... She writes in a quite a Joycean way. It's very impressionistic. Lots of images, voices coming here and there. Um, but she kind of pulls it off. You know, you'd think that's quite a brave thing to do, to try and write in that kind of register. Uh, but she actually does it really well. And The Lesser Bohemians is a really good book um, about a student, an Irish girl in a drama school uh, in London in the mid-90s, uh, in North London. And it's kind of starts in a very kind of, uh, I suppose, impressionistic way about going out and living the student life and going to Kentish Town's pubs and Camden pubs and things and it's it's it, the language is absolutely brilliant I really like it so I'll just read a couple of short extracts from this it's The Lesser Bohemians by Imeer McBride and slithered by pints I follow her lead sweet Tara to the courtiers who do not leave then out in the mangling crowds on the street we make our clump move through four or six I take their steer Completed evening for me, but not for her. More modest in her drunkenness, too, with him there. Is that true? I wonder why. Seems with drink, even pulling off panels of self, I can't escape the audience of one I make. Oh, I That's really that. nice. Hithering out on fast Fridays. Go out, go out, whoever you are. Slip in with the cliques, if estranged from their midst. At the Enterprise, crown, fiddler's elbow. I burnish myself on their glut of chat. I dive into this, gaudy myself with cigarettes, daub my soul with a good few pints till my mouth swings wide with unutterable shite. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's really good, isn't it? Just while you think it's swinging a bit close to sort of um, slam poetry, it reins itself back in. Yeah, sort of almost going a bit too windswept and a bit too kind of overly romanticizing that kind of but it's like i guess good i i just find the rhythms of slam poetry quite sort of put my teeth on edge but it it, it sounds like good slam poetry if you know what i mean yeah it's, i'd say it's definitely a world away from from that alistair thoughts uh sort of straw liking color <laughs> i think it means it's healthy <laughs> I heard that you started uh, reading some literature, so I, I left the room. So I'll just come back when they're having a laugh. <laughs> Thank you, Robin, for adding The Lesser Bohemians to uh, the Moon Underwater pub library. And speaking of adding things, uh, Alistair, uh, here at the Moon Underwater, we have a jukebox. And on that jukebox, every guest is able to place their dream pub soundtrack or dream pub album. So you've, we've established you don't like loud techno music in a pub. If you could go to a pub and the jukebox is there and the music's at the right volume, what's the one album you'd like to have on it more than any other? I think I used to really like Bradley's Spanish Bar because they were the only place who had some really 
weird old stuff and these are velvet underground and stuff like that or like i like an in a normal pub where you know you're flicking over the thing and then i remember when we used to go down the golden lion we'd flip through oh my god they got blur you know stuff like that you'd you'd put on a bruce springsteen or whatever or rolling stones or whatever i've forgotten all that it used to be great the other place um that i was thinking of when when you asked me about soundtracks i was in um I was in a pub called the Good Samaritan in Whitechapel. This is going back a few years ago, which is next to the hospital. So it's mostly medical students, stuff like that. And me and my mate, we, we always used to go in another pub in Whitechapel before a curry. So we go in this place called Indo that I think it's gone now, but it used to be on the Whitechapel Road. Then we go for a curry around the corner in Tyabs or one of the other places. And then to finish off, go for a pint in the Good Samaritan. So one night we're in there and they've got a jukebox in there. It's just normal stuff playing. And all of a sudden, they've got a big TV on there. Not ideal in a pub, but there's a big TV on. And we glance, up, glance around and everyone's looking at this TV. The sound's not on. The music's playing in the jukebox. So what was unfolding on the TV was a terrorist incident. I won't say what one. I don't want to trigger anyone. But it was quite a very serious incident to the point where, like, I hope we, are we going to get home, okay? At that point, and this is absolutely true, the soundtrack to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles came on the jukebox. So all you could hear was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh my God. everyone was just watching the muted TV of the terrorist incident. So everyone was sort of going like this, sort of slack jawed at the TV, but going, what the? Like sort of laughing. I didn't really know what to do. It was such a weird moment. Um, so my uh, soundtrack would be the theme tune to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> so, what? Is that on an album? Yeah, yeah. You want the whole lot. You want the whole... It was... I assume it was on something like TV theme music or whatever. There was one single. I don't think they ever made it an album. It was tied in with the... Right, the film. right, right. I think... I seem to remember it was a rap or something. You know when they used to do those kind of cartoony films and it's like Ice Cube does the soundtrack or whatever, like or Will Smith or whatever whatever it is like there's a rap going on I'm going to have to write down here alongside fucking Bell Smirnoff House Red and House White the song from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles <laughs> right plus remixes Right then, so you have one more drink choice, Al. One more drink choice to add to this pub that is always right, where you have to like it or fuck off, because Sue and Dave don't care what sort of whiskey you want, what sort of wine you want. They've got House Red, they've got House White, they've got Bells, Smirnoff, Guinness and Carling, which are all just displayed in two big flicked Vs to whoever comes in with ideas above their station. Uh, so your wild card. Al, it's any your dream, your fantasy, the one thing that makes your heart leap when you walk into a pub. What's your wild card? There was a drink that I used to like when I was when I was younger. We used to go in the Golden Lion or we'd go around pubs when you were sort of 17 or 18. There was a drink called Abbott Ale, which used to get us absolutely battered, and which we thought was really strong. It was 5% then, I remember it specifically. But it was the one drink, it had a really, really nice taste to it. 
I really liked it. If I saw that now, I'd probably have, it would be nice because I'd have a bit of nostalgia feeling. Mind you, it'd be like watching the A-Team now. You'd have it and go, oh, shit. You know, you've forgotten. You'd probably have the theme to the A-Team on in your uh, in your book. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would. Well, you know, terrorist incident um, it happening. Yeah, I would. You're barred. One thing you want to bar from your dream pub, what is not going to happen in there? It could be a sort of person, a sort of activity. It could be absolutely anything that just does your head in. Um, I'll tell you one thing I loathe in a pub is walking in there and seeing a plate of nachos on the table that no one's cleared away. And it's got all the gloop on it. Whatever, I don't eat that shit, but whatever people have put on it, it's, there's a white stuff on it and red stuff. Yeah. And the smell of it, it is disgusting. Any pub where they don't clean away the food immediately, or you sit down at the table and it's sticky and, and uh, there's a bit of chip, and like one tiny bit of chip like that, and a bit of like lettuce leaf like that. Goes, I absolutely hate it. But it's nachos I would ban outright. There's no place for it. If you want to eat a, a savoury snack, get a packet of McCoy's, all right? Or get some dry roasted nuts, okay? I don't know what this thing is. I'm going to have nachos. Where do you think you are? Can Are you in Cancun? <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm going to have some nachos. You don't have... Don't have... Yeah, if you're that desperate, go somewhere else. You know, go to Bodega or whatever that place is called. Don't don't come in here spreading your disgusting, smelly shit everywhere. Uh, I hate I hate it. There's a pub in Edinburgh, and it's the sort of pub because Edinburgh is such a great pub city. It's a sort of pub when someone says, "Oh, do you want to come out tonight?" And you go, "Yeah," and they say, "Oh, we're meeting at this pub at six. And you're like, "Why?" There's like literally 40 pubs within a two-minute walk that are 10 times better than that. So anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. This pub, the reason I go there, the staff are very nice, may I say. They let me have one of their glasses. What pub is it? It's the one next to the curry house that does all those weird curries like iron brew and chocolate curries. (laughs) It's not far. So the, the, the curry house that I go to quite a lot that does these mad curries and it does the sort of super hot, people go to hospital for eating it curry but it's actually really good curry house if you don't go for like the chocolate stuff um that it's bring your own and you're allowed to go to the pub and buy bottles from the pub so that's the nearest pub you can go to anyway it's actually it's an okay pub it's just always too busy and the selection's not great but they their menu is just nachos and it goes from like a plate of nachos for four quid with salsa and stuff up to like a 20 quid tower of nacho. So you walk in and the smell of sour cream and salsa and jalapenos just hits you. You would absolutely loathe it. I I would, I really would, yeah. That that kind of thing is abhorrent. I I don't mind um, food in pups at all, but I think it's also just leaving it out. You know what I mean? Like, Weatherspoons do that a lot. They, they take ages to, and you have to, and you know when there's no other tables, you like, you sit at the table, go, you know, you know that thing where you go, oh, I have to do it for fucking self, and you pick up a plate of half-eaten food and leave it on the bar. No worries, yeah, I'll do it. You know, that thing of like, just to, have you ever done that passive aggressive thing where you go up to the bar and go, excuse me, have you got a cloth? <laughs> it's just really shitty on the table I'm sitting at. 
Yeah, I can't bear it. Yeah. There's every single empty table in the Weatherspoons has half a latte and a chip on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I really like it where they serve the, the lattes in the tall glass with the little handle on it. You know, yeah. you know that one. Classic. That's cone-shaped latte, like it's a 90s. Hurry up, please. It's time. Alistair, I have to say, I love your pub. I love its ethos. I love its attitude. All, all I'm going to be drinking in there is Guinness. Yeah, same. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the worst <laughs> stocked dream pubs I've ever heard of in my life. Well, you, I mean, I don't vary things that that wildly no. anyway. I would. I'm happy with a very minimal. Select. I don't need a lot of variety. Yeah, I'm happy. I can have a Guinness. There's too much choice in the world, maybe. Robin, what are your thoughts on uh, Alistair's Dream Pub? Well, I'd have a few carling to see if I could get the taste for it. Then I'd probably just go for Guinness. But I do like the vibe of it. I love the vibe of it. I love the idea that someone says, oh, what have you been up to, Rob? And you're like, do you know what? I've I've been trying to get into carling. Yeah. (laughs) As if it's like a sort of... Quite niche Difficult hobby that you like. I don't just want to find out what the fuss is about with Carling. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I think that the, the other thing is that one of the, the, like, a lot of variety in beers on tap, often it masks um, a lack of atmosphere. You know, if you've got two, if you've just got a Guinness and Carling, you've got to pull out all the stops and atmosphere. I mean, my pub hasn't done that either, but that's sort of mm. beside the point, you know. The atmosphere is fucking appalling. (laughs) Drinking a Guinness with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles while a landlady tells you to fuck off. (laughs) It's a fucking nightmare. You could have had anything, anything your heart desired. But it's I can I can almost see your pub. It makes perfect sense, and it knows what it is. Yeah, it's not a horrible pub. It's uh, no. It's just. It's just not dressing itself up as anything. We're not trying to mask anything. We're not trying to trick you. We're saying, you're here for a reason. You ever eat in a restaurant that's not very good, but you're there because of the, the family that run it or it's been there for 40 years. It's not about the food. You know, it's about the atmosphere. It's about, you know, you're eating whatever you're eating, scampi and chips or whatever. It doesn't matter. The point is there's there's other things there that are, that are as important that I think gets neglected now. Yeah, well, one of the one sort of gripe I have is actually bar staff not remembering your next in line. Mm. Like that thing is like. So when I worked in a pub, that was the first thing I was taught. Like the landlord said to me, "When it's busy, keep a note of who you're serving, who you're going to serve next, who's next in line." You know what I mean? The worst thing is if you're in a packed pub. It's New Year's Eve. The barman serves one person. You've been standing there ten minutes. And then he turns around and goes, who's next? No. It's not my responsibility. That. Yeah. That's yeah, your yeah. job. That's your job, right? You, you, it, it's not difficult. You just go pick that person. I'll get, I'll get to you in a minute, mate. That thing. But then also, uh, I think a member of bar staff's job has been made much harder by choice. So mm. if, you're, if, you're a, if you're running a pub, so there's a pub in Lewisham, which I absolutely adore. And fuck, I'm going to have to Google it. Are you going to say the, the Dacre Arms? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. Mm. I knew it. Yeah. The, the Dacre Arms, they've literally got, it's, you know, it's White Echo Falls, Red Echo Falls, or Rose Echo Falls, if you want wine. It is a house whiskey, which I've never heard of. House rum, which is called something like Captain Jack's. And a really well-kept pub. 
pint that I would, I'm quite fussy about ale, but I would have whatever they have on because I know it's going to be well kept. And I'd much rather have a nice pint of something I wasn't that keen on than a bad pint of something I like. Well, that's why I drink drink lager generally when I go out, because ale is so unreliable and you don't know what you're going to get and are they going to pour it properly. But lager generally, I mean, it's just a barrel, isn't it? They're just going to, you know, there won't be anything wrong with it. And it's so expensive going out as well. They're like you don't want to risk it on a on an on an ale that might not be poured very well or not not very well looked after, you know. But I think that in, that increase of choice. If you've got ten different gins, six different vodkas. If you do cocktails, if people order mojitos, if there's six or seven different types of each wine in three or four different sizes, and you've got to measure the fucking things out, which annoys me. You're going to lose track of of who's next because you, you're having to do the job of a bar staff and a, a mixologist and a wine waiter. Yeah, you've just reminded me of something. Yeah, you know when you know when it's busy at the bar and the person in front of you orders a fucking cocktail. Oh, get out! So, so as you say, the the barman's got to get that silver thing, crush the ice. You like that now? To me, that there's two people at fault here. One, the pub for not putting enough on enough staff, but also. If you're the person at the front of the queue, don't have that drink if there's people waiting. It's a democracy. There's other people waiting. Get a, Do the decent thing. You know, you're like a person at the cash machine putting in 17 cards or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Just just do the one, just go, do you know what? There's a lot of people here. We'll just have, we'll just have the house whiskey. <laughs> Did you find during lockdown when you're queuing for a coffee in a long queue of people outside because you can't go in the coffee shop or whatever, and you've been in the queue for 50 minutes, and the person in front of you gets to the front and then they're like, right then, um, oh, so what have we God. got? And you're like, what God. have you been thinking about for the last yeah. 15 minutes other than yeah. what do I want as soon as I get to the front yeah. of the queue? Yeah, awful. Ooh, so what sausage rolls have you got? And do you have that nice yeah. bread? And yeah. mate, I'll have a yeah, coffee white furious. now. Yeah. So, uh, well, we have mentioned, I think already, uh, potentially the name of this pub uh, but what are you going to call your your sort of half welcoming pub like it or fuck off <laughs> it's really good great so it's just called is it called the like it or fuck off or just like it or fuck off the the take it or leave it if we're being polite that's what we call it the take it or leave it yeah that could easily be a pub actually yeah take it or leave it yeah 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 the what about the mar the marquis of take it or leave it <laughs> <laughs> Oh, is it? You don't get many Marcus anymore pubs, do you? No, you don't get any Marcuses. They were always the good, this kind of strange royalty in Orisha. What is a Marcus? Yeah. They're always good, Marcus pubs. They're always good. Yeah. Uh, are we calling it the Marcus of of the take it or leave it? Take it or leave it, yeah. Yeah. Take it or leave it. Is yeah. that, there was a pub in Bristol, I think in Bedminster, called the Try Again. Yeah, that's nice, yeah. I do like like it or fuck off. You could abbreviate it to LIFO, L-I-F-O. It could become like a kind of FOMO sort of thing that catches on. That, that's not the ethos, yeah. They, they've got... They're, okay. very, uh, they're not into acronyms. We yeah. don't want to go viral. <laughs> so, leaving the moon underwater with his pub under his arm, he's got Guinness and Carling, House Red and House White, Bells, Smirnoff, Abba Ale, but not one single plate of uncleared cold nachos. It is comedian and viral sketch videographer, Alistair Green. He's called his pub the Marquis of Take It or Leave It. 
And we wish you so much happiness and joy inside your pub, Alistair. And thank you also for giving us your time and coming to visit us in the correct realm here at the Moon Underwater. And we bid you adieu as you venture out into that twilight of dusk. All the hands shall, then the heroes fall. In this day and age, who could ask for more? The crime wave is high, with muggings mysterious. All police and detectives are furious, because they can't find the source. Well, as the delightful, the very pragmatic Alistair Green makes his way back into the, uh, the real realm, the original realm, the prior realm, uh, it is time for me here at the Moon Underwater to call Time at the Bar! And uh, thank Alistair for his time. We do hope you enjoyed that episode. And next week, we're very excited to welcome in one of the most poetic and accomplished beer writers. And we're so chuffed to have someone from the beer press who hopefully is going to educate us a little bit about beer. And do check out her stuff. It's Emma Inch next week. And we cannot wait for you to hear about her perfect pub. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.